Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Keeping Up with the G-Men, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Today we're going to talk about the preseason game from last week against the Jets, and we're also going to preview the game against the Bears this Friday. But first, there's a little bit of news. So, um, Anthony, why don't you let us uh, let everyone know what uh, John Mara said. So John Mara was recently quoted saying that he hopes Eli has a great year and that Daniel Jones never sees the field this year. He said in an ideal world, you'd like to see that. But again, at the end of the day, it's going to be a decision by the head coach as to when or if Daniel Jones ends up playing this year. Yeah, so I I didn't hear anything too crazy. Uh, I don't know if you think you did, but uh, it seems like it got everybody upset, didn't it? I, I understand that it got people upset because they want to see the number six overall pick play. But they have to understand the other side of the coin. If he doesn't play, that means that the Giants are winning games. And if we're just upset about the Giants winning games because we want to see Daniel Jones, and you're not a real Giants fan, you should just be hoping that they win games at the end of the day. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If Bart Starr rises from the grave and starts playing quarterback for the Giants... As long as he's winning, I'm for it. If Eli Manning's the quarterback and he's winning, I'm for it. If they're losing, though, then we got to see Daniel Jones. So I'm not sure why this was a controversial statement. I agree with John Mara. Yeah, I wish most fans would really pay attention to playoff contention. That's the main thing here because even if Daniel Jones is going to catch up to Eli somewhat soon, there's no question which quarterback is going to be more prepared to play in 2019 I mean it's it's obviously Eli I mean he's been doing it for so long and part of the quarterback position in the NFL is just knowing so many nuances and intricacies to your offense so it, without a doubt it's Eli uh, were you going to say something about that yeah I mean Eli is of course going to be more prepared and I don't see a problem with waiting on Daniel Jones. There's no need to just rush him out there and risk stunting his development by getting him into some game where he gets sacked seven times because he doesn't know how to call protections and wreck his confidence. Let's just wait till he's ready, and if the Giants are winning and Eli Manning is the quarterback, then let's keep winning with Eli Manning as the quarterback. Absolutely. And if we get into a situation where we're heading into November with two wins, that's when you start, you know, you know, you gotta let you gotta let everything play out first to really see. Exactly. But we have some more news. Unfortunately, Golden Tate, uh, his appeal was denied, and he's gonna have his four-game suspension. So, you know, as much as I, I see a lot of comparison between him and Tyreek Hill, and you know, while Tyreek Hill obviously did something way worse, uh, Golden Tate really could have done his due diligence and submitted his prescription to the league. So. 
you know, a lot of people are pointing that out, but, you know, it's it, at the end of the day, it's still Tate's mistake. Yeah, it is Tate's mistake, and many people are, uh, they're questioning him. He even was asked by a reporter today, but he refused to answer whether or not he really did need a prescription for fertility, because he does have two children, and I, I don't think that's really the point at all. I just think you're, you're right. He should have just submitted the prescription to the league and made sure it was good before using it. Yeah, it's, it's just your due diligence. I mean, why would you want to risk, you know, missing any playing time in the NFL? But uh, you, you do bring up a good point on whether he actually needed that or not because it's a belief that some NFL players take that because it actually does, uh, you know, enhance certain things physically. So some NFL players might see fertility drugs as a loophole, and I, I don't want to assume that's what Tate was doing but it's it's certainly possible. Yeah, and you also brought up the good point with Tyreek Hill. He was recorded verbally threatening a woman and is believed to have broken his son's arm, and he, he didn't really get more than a slap on the wrist. So it's a little it's a little weird how the NFL chooses to handle certain things and how to punish certain players for what they've done. Yeah, well, the system seems like it needs... Uh needs to be revamped um you know maybe if golden tate was running a running a 4-2-9 and was on a trending team they might see him a little differently but <laughs> you know he's <laughs> running a 4-5 and he's catching passes from eli so he's he's not getting any uh get out of jail free card there so what do you think that they should do to replace golden tate for the first four weeks who should fill in I think they have enough depth behind him. I think Cody Latimer is going to be seeing about 10 targets per game without Golden Tate on the field. And I actually like the two wide sets a little more while he's suspended because it'll be Shepard and Latimer, and that's a little more evened out with their skill sets. So I don't necessarily see Tate as a necessity for this team to win, and that's probably why I never even liked the signing that much to begin with. Right, I could see that. But you don't think that they need to sign any free agents or anything? I th- I like the depth. I mean, Benny, as much as I, you know, made light of Benny Fowler joining the team last year, he's had a good camp. TJ Jones looks good. And with how much they're going to be running the ball, I think they'll be able to get by without Tate for four weeks, even if they have to do things a little differently because – Tate does offer some upside with his screen game and, you know, creating yards after the catch. But as far as all the other stuff, I, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and TJ Jones, happy you brought him up. He, he has looked really good. He looked phenomenal in the preseason game, which we're about to get into. And I also like Alonzo Russell a lot, who didn't get as much attention in the preseason game, but... I'm hoping that he gets some more in week two, and maybe he can even fill in. I think they do have a lot of depth. Yeah, well, Alonzo Russell didn't have many passes thrown his way, but he was open all night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really just missed in that one that one pass in the corner of the end zone. And he seemed really upset because, you know, he might have been thinking, if I'm not getting the catches, I'm not, you know, getting noticed. But the coaches still notice him getting open. So, you know, he's, he's definitely... Uh, He's definitely a guy to consider when Tate's gone. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that they could look to sign a veteran receiver like maybe Michael Crabtree or Pierre Garçon. I think those guys, Garçon's coming off of an injury, so he's a little more risky, but his price might be pretty low. And it's only four weeks, so if they do decide to sign somebody, I think that they should go with an experienced veteran like that. Yeah, Pierre Garçon I could see as a possibility. And while I think Michael Crabtree should be on a team, I don't think he's Giants material as far as, you know, getting into little fights on the field and going back and forth with Aqib Tlaib pretty often. And I know, you know, that's not totally his fault, but he's got to be he's got to be some of it. So, you know, while I wish Crabtree was actually on this roster at a decent price, uh, I, I just don't see that one. Right, I could totally understand that. But, yeah, Pierre Carzone, you know, he, he would be a, a decent option. So let's get into the preseason game. Uh, Daniel Jones, I mean, that's really the, the main topic. Five for five, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, some people actually um, criticized that touchdown pass a little bit. But uh, what do you think of it? I think that's ridiculous because... I know Chris Carter, legendary wide receiver, played a lot of time in the NFL, of course. I know he knows what he's talking about, but he didn't act like he knew what he was talking about on that talk show the next day because he tried to claim that that was an ugly throw and that against starters, that's a pick every single time. But the throw was great. Yeah, there was great great ball placement. It was a very accurate throw. But it was great because of the timing. He threw the ball as the receiver was coming out of the break, and it didn't give the defender time to turn his head around. And he also brought up the point, if that's Jamal Adams, his head is turned around, and that's an interception. But if Jamal Adams' head is turned around, Daniel Jones isn't going to throw the pass. So it's like a backwards way of thinking that Chris Carter and a lot of people on Twitter are using, and I don't really understand it. Yeah, I think uh, you know the Giants are just really a team to pile on this offseason when mm. you know the the rookie comes in and gets his first ever experience and we're criticizing his touchdown pass on his very first drive <laughs> i mean it's like you gotta yeah. be able to let let guys have a win here and there i mean my god um yeah but like you said i think daniel jones noticed that he had the defensive back totally turned around and that's right. you know i i think he would have you know looked him off if you know, if if it looked like they were gonna be a little tighter there, and yeah, like you said, the the ball placement and the timing, those are the things that really jump off the page with Daniel. Um, you know, Eli, he doesn't seem to have quite the same release, quite as quick of a release as Daniel even, and so you know, Daniel obviously needs time to adjust to the game, but there's there's little things here and there where. It almost looks like Daniel's ahead of Eli as far as, you know, just the touch. I mean, what do you think of that? Um, I'm not sure if he's ahead of Eli, but I think that it was a really, really great starting point. Those first five throws, he completed them all. It was really great, but I think that against the Bears and even week three and four of the preseason, we need to see more from Daniel Jones. I know the rain delay cut his night short, which was really unfortunate, but... He only threw five passes, and they were all great, but they were all first reads. He never faced any pressure. That's what we need to see from him. I liked the way that he played under pressure at college. I thought that he was pretty good, 
when there was pressure in his face, and that was pretty often that there was pressure in his face. And of course, sometimes he got flustered. That's how he drew the Eli Manning comparisons. But for the most part, he looked good to me, and I'd really like to see how he plays under pressure at the next level. So hopefully they can keep him in for longer in week two, and maybe even at some point in the preseason start him so that we can see him against some starting pass rushers. Absolutely. He definitely has more boxes to check. Uh, you know, everything was, you know, very quarterback friendly in that drive for him. Like you said, he wasn't really, his internal clock wasn't really ticking with the pressure. Um, but one thing I really like about him is the timing. I mean, the the receiver looks for the ball and it's there. And I just never felt like Eli was quite that kind of quarterback before. So, yeah, Daniel might be better off with more of a horizontal offense, but he looks like he could handle it. Yeah, his pass that um, the twelve-yard out route, I believe it was, it was it to Benny Fowler. Yes. I, yeah, that that was perfect throw, right on the money and perfect timing. The the defender had no chance of breaking that up. No, it really didn't look like it. Uh, some other rookies, uh, DeAndre Baker, really looks like he held his own. Um, one problem with him in college was that he would really get turned around a little too often and not really have a sense of when the ball was coming. Uh, and that showed up uh, the other night with, with a pass interference. But other than that, I thought his coverage was pretty tight. Yeah, I think DeAndre Baker looked good, but now he's dealing with a little bit of a calf injury, or, or is it a knee injury? Yeah, he sprained his knee, and he's yeah. considered day-to-day. Yeah, so... It's just, I don't think he's going to be playing this week. I think Sherman no. already said that. But hopefully by the by week four preseason, he'll be healthy again. We can see him one more time before the season starts because there was a lot of miscommunications on the defensive side of the ball uh, against the Jets. And it's going to be really important to get all the starters out there so that they can iron those things out. Yeah, I agree. Um, he said he would be definitely ready for Dallas, so... Worst comes to worst, at least he isn't projected to be missing any regular season games. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other first-round pick on the Giants, Dexter Lawrence, he didn't even play a whole 10 snaps. But from what I saw from him, I was very surprised by the player that I actually saw once once he was on an NFL field because he wasn't like this overpowering tackle that would even neutralize a double team the double team blocks were really working on him and he was getting washed out of a couple of run plays the best thing i saw from him was he had a successful bull rush he got one on one with a guard and just drove him straight into the backfield uh what did you think of his first performance yeah i thought there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to see because he didn't play he didn't play very much but i i know it is like a it's almost like a common misconception that he's just this big beefy run defender in the middle and I don't really think that's Dexter Lawrence's game I think he's more of a a finesse pass rushing defensive tackle at times he's great against the run but he's also great against the pass rush so I'm just excited to see more uh, pass rushing snaps from him next week absolutely and it's not to really just overreact and say this is what he's going to be with not even 10 snaps. You know, that's not what I'm trying to do at all. But if he were to look the way he looked the other night, like most of the time, 
I would almost want to bring in another nose tackle to be drawing the double teams because he just did not look like this real gritty offensive, this defensive lineman. Um, but again, it's ten, it's not even 10 snaps. You know, he, he could easily set a different tone in the next game. Um, moving on to another rookie, Julian Love. He seemed to have a tough night. Uh, you know, I know with the one rub route, he worked over the top instead of underneath, and that's why it was an easy touchdown. Uh, but what did you think of him in coverage other than that? Yeah, he, he didn't look like he had a good night, uh, especially early on, but he seemed to get a little more comfortable later on, so maybe he's just not ready to play with starting competition yet, and they just need to work him in some more. But he did have a very nice pass breakup, I believe, at the end of the second quarter or maybe third, and that was good to see because he was struggling, and then it was nice to see him bounce back and break up a pass like that. But I think that this game kind of... Um, kind of proved something that we were all already thinking that Julian Love is probably going to be a better fit at safety. Yeah, absolutely. And he's listed at 5'10", and he does just look like a smaller guy. I mean, he looks like he would really struggle with bigger receivers out wide. And, you know, some guys carry height a little differently, and he just he looks to be, you know, one of the smaller 5'10s out there. Uh, he almost looks more like Grant Haley when he's standing next to him. But um, moving on to another rookie, O'Shane Zimenez. Uh, I didn't think he really did a whole lot, but that's fine for a, a pass rusher that's really getting his first snaps against you know another team. Uh, did you like what you saw from him? Yeah, I didn't really see much from him, but until really late in the game when Jake Carlock came in. I didn't see much of any pass rush from the starters. I mean, Zimenez I didn't see much from. I didn't see much from Carter either. Uh, did Golden even play? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, he it, took it, some snaps. Um, but, yeah, the pass rush in general was really not not doing too yeah. well. And I yeah. know I could tell, like, some offensive tackles would, like, initially struggle with Lorenzo Carter's speed. <laughs> But he just doesn't seem to quite have the power yet to really, you know, really force himself around that edge. He seems like he just needs to win with speed still. Yeah, I mean, it's not totally surprising. I think we all knew that the Giants' pass rush was going to be a, uh, a cause for concern heading into the season. But we heard all the great things about Lorenzo Carter throughout the summer. He added 15 pounds of muscle, yada, yada, yada. And I don't really think it showed up. And I don't want to overreact from just a few snaps in a preseason game, but I, we need to see more from him before the season starts because it's just looking grim right now. Yeah, and it's it's hard for a guy at six foot five to really fill out his frame to the point where he can really out leverage defenders. I mean, that is a lanky frame, and he's not looking lanky by any means. I mean, he he's filled out. You know, but it's just hard with that size frame to really. I mean, a lot of these really good edge rushers are about six three, six four. I mean, but six five. You know, you're talking about a lot to fill out there. I, you know, overall, I'm not sure if I think he's gonna pan out, but I do think he has a future as an inside linebacker if if it doesn't work out on the edge. Um. Yeah, I agree with that. He's been pretty solid in coverage. Yeah, and so 
you know, the secondary was was really fine overall. But yeah, we we do need to see more from the pass rush against the Bears. Um, so let's look at the Bears. They are definitely going to be a tough test for the offense because their whole front seven is really it's complete, but it's also at a high level and. Even the secondary, you have Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamara. He's been staying healthy, and he's been a really good signing for the Bears. So, you know, this will definitely be a challenge for the first team. Yeah, it definitely will be. I think the Bears have arguably the best defense in the NFL. I love Khalil Mack off the edge, obviously Prince of Mukamara, Eddie Jackson. They've got a lot of great players. So I'd like to see more snaps from Eli, more than just one drive, you know. This, this week, like he had last week, it was only three. He took one pass. Uh, he completed one pass. And I, I want to see him throw a little bit more in this game because it's been so long since we've seen him. And we've heard all these things about his arm strength. And I want to see him go up against a real defense and practice against that. But uh, second string, I want to see Daniel Jones probably get worked in with a few starters left on the field because that would be a nice test going against the Bears' defense. Yeah, and it almost sounds like Shermer isn't comfortable putting Daniel behind the second-team line. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds like part of his answer about Daniel being done the other night after the rain was that they didn't want to, you know, warm up the line again. So I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I want Daniel to maybe even see some of the Bears' better players. I mean, that, that would be pretty nice. Um, and, yeah, as far as Eli... How about not calling a draw play for him on his hmm. only third and eight of the game? Yeah. I mean, it's like they're trying to hide Eli to avoid any potential narratives about which it quarterbacks are like better that. in the preseason. Yeah. And it's it's to the point where you're not gonna let Eli really get his feet wet before the you know, before the year. He he really could have used the reps in an offense that he's only been in for going on two years now. I mean, I, I just don't see why they were that conservative with him. And then when there was a third and eight for Daniel Jones, they called a pass. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, we do need to see Eli throw some passes against this great secondary and, you know, maybe even hang in there tough against this this front seven he's going to be going up against. Yeah, I completely agree. We need to see more out of Eli. But um, I'll also say that, Against the Jets, Eli had barely played. Jones looked great, but the two quarterbacks behind Jones, they both looked really good, Kyle Lalletta and Alex Tanny. I think that we have a little quarterback competition forming, and it's not for the starting job. I think it's for the backup job. And I, I'm very interested to see how that continues into the Bears game. Yeah, really, you know, it's funny to say that there was three quarterbacks that looked really good for New York, and you really can't include Eli because he didn't really mm-hmm. do much. He threw one pass, and it was underneath, and you'd really expect that one to be completed. Yeah. But looking at our defense, uh, they also have a, a tough task coming up because you have Mitchell Trubisky, who is really coming along in his third year. You have David Montgomery, who you know, is their hyped-up rookie running back. A lot of people expect him to have a big year. They're taking him early in fantasy drafts. Tariq Cohen, they have plenty of receiver talent too. So, you know, this will also be a really good, really good test for the defense. 
Yeah, and the defense especially because a lot of those rookies that we drafted defensively will be playing with the first team. So I'd like to see more from Dexter Lawrence as he's going to be trying to defend the run, see this defensive line get to work against Montgomery and Cohen. Yeah, I would really like to see Dexter line up in the middle as the nose tackle and see how that goes. Um, I, I don't know if they're really doing all this right now just to get his feet wet in the three technique or if they really plan on playing him there. But, and I'm not saying he needs to be snacks, but I just I want to see him play like he's 340 pounds. And I, I just didn't feel like we really got that in the first game. And that makes me, that makes me, that reminds me, Olsen Pierre, uh, he actually had some first-team reps on defense, and he Dexter Lawrence was subbing with him, so he actually might have a real role on this defense. Yeah, he might, and I I even think, um, was it John Jenkins? I think he's the third-string defensive tackle, and he looked pretty good, too, so it looks like yeah. the Giants have a lot of depth on the defensive line. And R.J. McIntosh had a great game. Yep. He was really depth. all over the place. Yeah, that should definitely be one of the strongest parts of the team this year, and of course, we just need to keep seeing more and more every preseason game before we get into uh, week one. Absolutely. And uh, one matchup I'm hoping we're going to get on Friday is Janoris Jenkins and Taylor Gabriel because I'm I'm hoping that Janoris can really start to lock down some of these smaller and faster receivers. Yeah, we know that he's great against the bigger guys like Allen Robinson, so they might have... As we've mentioned before, now that we have depth in the secondary, they might not ever need to put Janoris Jenkins on someone like Gabriel, and they can just have him follow the bigger guy. But with DeAndre Baker out, I think we'll definitely see Janoris Jenkins line up on Taylor Gabriel at some point, and that'll be exciting because, like you said, we need to see him do better against the speedy guys. Absolutely. And um, Tariq Cohen, I want to see how they handle... A, a receiving running back and I know this is going to be very vanilla and they're not going to show what they're really going to do but I want to see how effective they are in whatever they plan to do and the same goes for Mitch Trubisky as a mobile quarterback because between mobile quarterbacks and getting up and getting eaten up in the middle of the field those seems to be things that the Giants just can't figure out year to year yeah um Funny you mention that. It seems like the Giants have never been able to figure out how to guard a tight end. And Ryan Connolly looks like he might be that guy in the middle of the field. Like He's turning into a pretty solid linebacker. Tay Davis played pretty good, too. I think the Giants linebacking core might actually turn into something decent this year. I really hope so. And I'm glad you mentioned those two because while it's kind of a stretch at this time, I would love to see Tay Davis and Ryan Connolly play so much better than Alec Ogletree to the point where Ogletree is a rotational linebacker. And I know that's tricky because Ogletree is lining up the defense right now and he's, you know, he's basically like the team, he's basically like the defensive captain. But if those two are actually much better than him, maybe one of them can handle calling the plays. Well, I know Ryan Connolly has already began to do that in practice. And when he was out there with the second string, he was doing that against the Jets. So he's already practicing it. And I think if he's performing better, then he should just go out there and 
call the plays for the first team. Yeah, I mean that that would be great if if they could beat him out because Ogletree is really a replacement level linebacker and mm-hmm. I know, you know, people were probably excited when they saw the trade last year, but the Rams were on to something. I mean, they they <laughs> they were taking a 4 and a 7 for him and they were happy to do it. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with his contract. He has a very inflated contract and the sooner the Giants get that off the books, the better in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, I I know he makes some splash plays in coverage, but when he's lined up man-to-man on somebody, I mean, you you saw what Theo Riddick did to him last preseason. He made him look silly. I mean. (laughs) And even last season, Tariq Cohen, he he looked pretty good. He made uh, Alec Ogletree look pretty bad at times, too. Yeah, they very quickly put Lorenzo Carter on Mm -hmm. Tariq Cohen. Yep. But, um, yeah, so the Bears, very solid team. Uh, I know their depth is pretty good at the receiver position. They have some depth at defensive tackle. And they even like their backup quarterback. So the second team defense should really have a decent challenge, too. And I'm really interested to see Corey Ballantyne and Antonio Hamilton because they are rotating right now for first-team reps. And... Neither one is really separating themselves from the other, but they're going to go up against guys like Allen Robinson, too. Yeah, and I really, really like Corey Ballantyne. I think he could be one of the steals of the draft when it's all said and done. Uh, Obviously, he had that awesome interception against the Jets, but also that penalty that he was called for, the pass interference, I mean, that was a little bit... That's just they're playing with the new rule, and it was ridiculous. I thought that was perfect coverage. That's like a veteran move to hold down the receiver's hand like that. That's what they usually do. And I guess the league is changing, and it's going to be harder to get away with stuff like that now. But Corey Ballantyne looked great in coverage against the Jets to me. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. Um, it's tough because, like, technically you can't grab anyone, but a lot of the older players will tell you, there are certain subtle things you do in the league that really give you an edge. And I know even Odell was the kind of guy that would get into a lot of hand fighting while he was making his way down the field because he wasn't a true burner. I mean, the guy ran a 4-4-3. That's, you know, that's not taking the top off every time. So he, he had ways of doing that. And a lot of old receivers have said the same thing. So... Yeah, I think they're really opening up a can of worms here with this new rule, but let's just be glad it was in a preseason game. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and I think I think Corey's, you know, a steal too. Yeah, Corey did look great in coverage, but I'll say he he should probably we need to see him do a little bit better in tackling. He missed a couple tackles against the Jets, so that's what I'll be watching for Corey Ballantyne against the Bears. Yeah, like he's he's good in coverage. He's just not like the stoutest of corners, mm-hmm. but that's fine. Um, you know, their main job is to cover anyway. Right. And I thought Ballantyne actually did a much better job, and really so far in camp, of getting his head around when the ball is arriving, because Baker just doesn't seem to have a great sense of that. But the, when Ballantyne got his pick, that's exactly why it happened. He was able to get his head around. Yeah, something Eli Apple could never do with the Giants. And I'm hoping that's not going to be the same thing with DeAndre Baker. 
No, I don't think it will be because I think Baker has tighter coverage in general than Eli Apple did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, the safeties really looked good. Bethea and Peppers are not going to be like Curtis Riley last year, just single-handedly wrecking games. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Hmm. But Bethea, you can tell he's been doing this a long time. I mean, he didn't really... He didn't really blow any coverages. Um, there was a little bit of speculation on who who blew the play to Chris Herndon down the field, whether it was Julian Love or whether it was Jabril Peppers. But it looks like it was actually Julian Love that was supposed to uh, supposed to take him and run with him down the field. A lot of miscommunications that they need to get ironed out, and I think for a rookie, Julian Love, I don't think he's used to all of everything going on around him with calling out coverages and everything so i think that's probably where that came from was more miscommunications yeah and you know by the way that that's fine you know first preseason yeah. game exactly they have i, I want to see that stuff i want to see that stuff so that way they don't go into it thinking oh we got this you know because Week one of the preseason, no, you don't got this. You still have quite a bit of learning to do, quite a bit of building chemistry to do. So I, I'm happy to see those kinds of mistakes, it's, especially with a rookie, because you know Julian Love is thinking about that that pick route, you know, even today, and how he needs to get under those instead of work over the top of them. Yeah, definitely. They're going to learn from their mistakes, and they're going to get better from it, which is why we'd much rather see the stuff in week one of preseason than week one of the regular season. So it's it's a good thing to see them making these mistakes, and hopefully they'll iron them out over the next three weeks. Absolutely. And, you know, outside of the Golden Tate news, which was unfortunate, and some overreaction to some quotes from you know, people in the Giants organization. There has it's been a quiet summer. There really hasn't been issues with players. Um, you know, you, not there hasn't been the kind of stuff that you hate to read about. You know, that happened at one in the morning here or there. So, you know, we can be thankful for that much too. Yeah, no players doing any drugs in hotel rooms this off season. Absolutely not. <laughs> Well, that pretty much does it for the preseason games. Uh, the, the game on Friday is going to be at 7.30. It's going to be covered by NBC. And so now we can close out with uh, some fun memories meeting Giants. So why don't you go first? Yeah, so this, this summer I went up and... I went to Giants training camp and I was able to meet Daniel Jones and that was really cool and he was really kind but my my favorite memory of meeting a Giant was when I was about 10 years old um, the offseason that Peyton Manning had his neck surgery him and Eli and Archie did a signing at the mall and I was fortunate enough to go and meet the whole family and they were all very nice and kind and signed stuff and it was a really really awesome experience and getting pictures with them all it was definitely one of the best moments of my life (laughs) (laughs) i bet it was that's amazing yeah so how about you christian well my favorite time i kind of it's kind of a tie for me um i'll start with the first one my grandparents wanted to take me to a giants training camp and many years ago and 
players were ignoring us and my grandmother was getting really upset and she didn't realize what she was doing but Tom Coughlin started walking by and she probably figured oh I'm an old lady this is an old guy you know he'll he'll listen to me he'll hear me out so she starts yelling at him about how none of these players are signing anything and I I just have come so much fear in me at this point wondering if I'm going to be banned from Giants property with my grandmother yelling at the head coach and he must have liked her or something thought she was cute or whatever but he gave me his autograph and you know said I hope this makes up for it and you know he he flagged over a couple Giants so Dominic Hickson came over and signed too and you know that was awesome but the other some the other time, uh, I went uh, nearly 10 years ago, and O.C. Umanora was coming off the field. And I brought an O.C. Umanora jersey, and it was a Super Bowl jersey. So I ask him to sign it, and he just looks at me and starts laughing and shakes his head. He's like, no. And I'm just thinking, but it's the Super Bowl jersey. So I start running along the fence, waving it. And I'm just like, oh, see, come on, it's the Super Bowl jersey. And he turned around and said, let me see the patch. And he said, if it has the patch, I'll sign it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he needed his proof, and then, you know, he, he signed it, and it's hanging up in the house now. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he, he needed that He needed that patch, man. He's, it's all about the Super Bowl. Yeah, he had to chase him down, too. I know, right? I was committed. <laughs> nice. All right, everybody. So that's all we have for you today. Make sure you go to empiresportsmedia.com to check out some daily New York sports news. And, Anthony, do you have any anything else you want to let everyone know about? Yeah, just follow us on Twitter. I'm at Anthony underscore Rivardo, And follow Christian, too. He's at NFL. Uh, We post our articles on Twitter, and we like to interact with fans and have good Giants discussions, so check us out. Yeah, absolutely. We're always willing to interact and answer any questions. So next week we will be going over the Bears game, and we will be previewing the Bengals. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.